I've been speaking on the whole issue of contending for unity. And right back at the beginning, I mentioned Jesus' statement when he said, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love Have love one for another. The Reverend David Watson in his book Discipleship described the church like this. He said that we are like a bunch of porcupines who on a cold winter's night absolutely need one another for warmth in order to survive. And yet as we huddle together and we come together and we try... (coughs) and get that vital warmth and connection that we need to survive, our spines slide in between each other and they prick the skin. And then we are repelled and pushed apart, only to come back and try again, and again, and again, and again. Because ultimately we need each other. We might not like that because we like to be independent, but we need one another. And this morning I want to read, I'm going to make this my last thing on contending for unity. But I want to read to you from a passage of scripture which can transform our relationships. And yet I expect when I announce where I'm reading from, some of you will recognize before I even start to read what the, um, what the reading is about. And you might be wondering, why on earth has he chosen this reading when it comes to talking about relationships? So I'm going to read to you this morning from, in fact, it's not five, it should have been six, ten to twenty, if I told you five... All right. The whole armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, 
that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Why would I choose to read from this passage when contending for unity in the body of Christ more often than not is to do with relationships? I want to try and just briefly and quickly open this to you this morning because it's something that over the last few weeks I have been looking at and thinking about because you see the enemy we know what scripture says he is like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour all right he has come to kill steal and destroy from us the abundant life that God has for us has for us not just as individuals but for the corporate community of believers There is a life of abundance which is available to us and the enemy wants to steal that from us and the way in which he does that more often than not is he destroys relationships within the body. He destroys relationships within marriage. He breaks relationships between parents and children. He comes into the workplace and begins to destroy any sense of connection and righteousness that we feel, well, that the Bible says that we should give to our employer by making us look at what is happening around us and to be, for us to become critical and aggressive towards those who are in authority over us. He works amongst those who are quote unquote in charge that they become suspicious of those who are below them and think that they need to rule with a rod of iron rather than love and so the enemy comes in and he rips and he tears at people's lives seeking to separate them because just like sheep when a wolf comes he seeks to separate a single sheep from the herd so that it can be picked off so easy. And if you've ever watched any nature program, you don't have to use wolf. You could use a bunch of um, buffaloes. You could use lions and gazelles. You can use whatever bunch of group that you want to put. But when the lion comes, when they come in, they seek to separate one of the herd away from everybody else. Because standing together there is strength. Being on our own we are very vulnerable. And so the enemy wants to seek to destroy relationships. And I want to tell you that this morning. So if you are having difficulties in your marriage this morning, you need to look beyond just the person sat across the table from you. Or who shares the same bed as you. You need to look behind that and recognize what is happening In the body, if you've become estranged from others because you feel that they have done something to offend you, then I want to tell you something this morning. While you stand in that position, the enemy has an opportunity to come in and to start to separate and to pull apart 
And we need to bring healing into those situations. In Ephesians 4, at the top of this passage in my Bible, the English Standard Version, it says unity in the body of Christ. And it sets out this, this for me, a beautiful picture of what God is trying to do in bringing a body which reflects him, a body which is together in unity, a body which is gifted and all working together in the right way so that we might grow up in love. That we might reflect him, that we might be, and although it doesn't mention the bride here, but be the bride of Christ who God is going to return for. Without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. And God is so gracious not only does he give or give the, the, the picture of this body working together, you can see it in Corinthians, you can see it here in Ephesians, that we are brought together and we grow into mature manhood or personhood, as it says here, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we reflect him, not just individually, but corporately together, that we might be a message of hope to the world. Jesus is our hope. We want to reflect him, not ourselves. It goes on. It says that God graciously gave gifts to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds and teachers for the equipping, for the, the um, completing of the saints, for making them full, making them mature and whole. These were not competitive ministries. Apostle first, then the prophet, then the evangelist, the pecking order. So if you teach from the word of God, you come at the bottom of the pile. Nothing like that. They were complementary ministries to bring the best out of the body of Christ. I think, I can't remember, I think it might be in James Somebody will correct me if I am wrong, but doesn't it say where there's selfish ambition, all evil is present and desires, uh, uh, when, when our desires are out of kilt? No, not be James, but I'll find it for you and let you have it next week. The reality is there is something beautiful about what God is trying to do. He talks here then in chapter 4 going on about the new life in Christ. He talks about those things we have to let go of in order to embrace the new. All of them are to do with relationships if you read them really. You know, people who become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality which is fulfilling my own desires greedy to practice every kind of impurity again it's about me but that's not the way you've learned Christ assuming you've heard about him put off your old self put on a new which belongs to you put off the old man or the former way of life that is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds to put on the new self-created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away those things, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one body. 
There is no problem speaking the truth to one another. Maybe the way in which we do it sometimes needs a little work. But there is no problem in speaking the truth to one another. How many of us will confess or even be willing to put our hand up to this one? There are times when we get angry with other people in the body, but we don't talk to them about it. We go home and stew on it. Maybe you do that in your marriage. Maybe you do that as a child, you know. Maybe that is what you do. Your, your father's exasperated you and you go away and you play it through in your mind over and over and over again and you get more and more angry and angry and angry about it. Maybe there's been a breakdown in relationship in the body and you go away and you, you tell yourself exactly what you're going to say to that person. And we can even make, I've got to be honest, I do this. Uh, I can make all the excuses I like that I'm going to do that so that when I meet that person, I'm not going to actually say those words to them. Nevertheless, if I play that tape or CD or whatever it is we're doing these days, download, stream thing, around and around in my head, often enough, guess what? I just get angrier and angrier because I feel more and more justified in my position. And therefore, you know, we need genuinely to take stock in our relationships and chapter 4 comes towards an end with be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you but if you're like me you know that to say that you'll forgive somebody is easy to do it is another matter altogether letting go of that stuff is really difficult and so we're being encouraged here I believe around the whole issue of relationships Next, chapter five, walk in love. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Then it goes back into being about sexual immorality, impurity, covetousness. Let it not be named among you. Let there be no filthiness, foolish talk or crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure that everyone who is immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom. That frightens me. The fact that we can actually, we could actually believe that we are all right. And yet, by our lifestyle, it disqualify ourselves. You see, God is a wonderful God of grace. We've sung about it this morning. But God is also a God of justice. He is a God who hates sin. He hates sin. He is the God who said, My, I will not always strive with man. There comes a point where if we're not careful, I think we can harden our own hearts to the point that we will not turn again to him. And therefore, we need to be careful. And then there are three groupings which are listed. And I find these interesting. I don't want to get into the ins and outs of who's the head of the home, all right? I definitely am not preaching on that this morning. But I want you to notice a few things. Wives and husbands. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. I'll miss the next line just in case it offends anybody. 
And then it says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Children, obey your parents. You want to live a long life? Obey your parents. It's a good idea. If you want to honor God with your life as, as, a, as a child, obey your parents. Don't kick against the goads. Yes, you need to grow up. You need to take more and more responsibility for your life. Your parents have to release that to you a bit at a time till you prove that you can handle those things. But the truth is, obey your parents. Not because your dad says, listen, why you live in my house? But honour them. Honour your father and mother. But then there is the counter. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. As a child, did you ever know what it meant to be exasperated with your parents? Because you felt they didn't understand you? And whilst when you were told to sit down, you might have sat down, but you stood up inside. Do you know what I'm talking about? Interesting. Wives have a responsibility. Husbands have a responsibility. Children have a responsibility. Parents have a responsibility. And then bond servants obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. It doesn't say your master has to be a born-again Christian in order to get respect. What it says is this. It says, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service, so when they're watching you do what is right, as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So the worker, the employee, has a responsibility towards their master, their boss. Likewise, however, the boss has a responsibility towards their employee. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and that there is no partiality in him. The reality is that that's how we should live. The thing that these three sets of relationships shows me is the issue that there is responsibility on both sides of any relationship. The question is, we have to ask ourselves whether we are fulfilling the requirements of our side of the relationship. And it is only then that Paul brings in about the armour of God. And I'm going to rattle through this quickly for you. Because I thought I began to see something in this. I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe we don't wrestle just against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. In institutions, in our government, in the world in which we live, we are wrestling against principalities and powers. The trouble is, we, the point that we end up doing is we begin to transfer the wrestle instead of being against principalities and powers against the individual themselves or the, the institution itself. 
And we kick against the goads. And we feel quite proud about some of those things sometimes because we feel that there should be change and therefore we have the right to overthrow things and change things. And you're right. God does want to bring change. Where there is injustice, where there is stuff that is wrong, God wants to bring change. I make no bones about that. But how we go about it is so important. How we go about it is so important. Earlier in chapter 4, verse 27, Paul says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not give opportunity to the devil. Here, I believe, is a key warning for us in our relationships. So every time we allow ourselves to become opposed to one another, we are giving the enemy an opportunity to get involved. And we have to guard against that. We really have to guard against that. He is the one who is the accuser of the brethren. He is the one who sows doubts in the mind about God's motivation for his commands and his people. He is the one through whom mistrust and suspicion is born. He is the one who plays on our weaknesses of character and divides people in their relationships. He is the one who is seeking to devour and destroy all that is good. He is the one who lies about others and their motivation. And we could go on and on and on and on. It is the enemy who does those things. You will remember Peter when Jesus said those words to him on that day, get behind me, Satan. I mean the most stinging words other than the time where he denied Jesus, they must have been the most stinging words that he ever received. When Jesus told him he would deny him three times and he did. And it says he went out and he wept bitterly. But on this occasion, Peter felt that he was doing things right. And yet Jesus had to remind him that he didn't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. For me, we need to recognize when things start to go wrong, before we start throwing round accusations and considering all sorts of possibilities, we need to ask ourselves, is there something else at work here? Am I saying that people don't do things wrong, it's not their fault? No, that's not what I'm saying. We all have a responsibility to respond but if we don't see how we're being manipulated, then we are going to be slow on the uptake. We need to own our own stuff. In James, it does say this bit in James, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when fully grown, brings forth death. Death. It is easy for us to pass the blame to others for the way in which we live and the way in which we respond and not own our own stuff. So here in chapter 6, where he talks about the armour of God, I actually think Paul is giving us a way where we can live in a way where our relationships can flourish, stay on track 
and be submitted to the Lordship of Christ. So here we go, quickly. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. When I look at the, and I'm not a Greek scholar, I've just got a very good Bible program that tells me these things, all right? I couldn't read to you, if you handed me a Greek New Testament without English in it, I couldn't read it to you. I might recognize the odd word, but outside of that, I don't. But be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. In other words, rest. Become strong because of his power. This is the place that we have to come to. A reliance on his power and not our own. You see, so many of us try and maintain our relationships out of our own strength. When what we need to do is we need to maintain them out of his strength. And so when tension arises and I'm trying to do it in my strength... I become accusational. I will sit across the other side of the desk or the table and I will say it's your fault because I don't want to admit my own. I'm sure all of us have experienced moments where we've not acted how we should with other people and or have been subjected to treatment that we consider is wrong. But I do want to tell you If we don't rest in the Lord and gain our strength from him, there is no way that we will be able to live in unity and harmony because we will always be defending our pitch and our corner. Then put on, clothe yourselves with the equipment. That's what this word means that was used. Put on, clothe yourselves with the equipment that will help you. Put it on. I don't know about you, I've started some jobs in my life at different times. Not jobs in terms of employment, but just started a a DIY job at home. Only to find that I can't complete the job because I don't have the tools required to do it. And I find it so frustrating. There was a time in my life where I tried to do up old banger cars when I was first buying cars as a young man. And all I ever ended up was was looking at a car which had white spots all over it where I'd use filler. I never quite got round to finishing the job because I didn't have the tools to do it or the money to pay someone else to do it. It's frustrating. It is easy, I said earlier, to talk about forgiving others, to love others, but it's something else to actually do and to live. And unless we clothe ourselves with the equipment that God has provided us, we will continue to find those things difficult. The word stand. That you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. To stand means to put a halt to. To establish a boundary. To be able to endure It is in his strength and not our own. Do you realize that the person that you might have fallen out with, right? Wherever they are, whatever happens, you can put a halt to that in the strength of the Lord. We are able to stand when things are tough and endure 
when we recognize the schemes, it says, the craftiness, the wiles, the trickery, the techniques that we need to become aware of, alert to. Because, as I said, it is the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Actually, most times in relational breakdown for me, it's not so much I'm right and the other person's wrong or they're right and I'm wrong. Actually, there's probably a bit of wrong on both sides of the fence. But if I don't recognize how the enemy will use that, I become polarized and separated. The schemes of the devil, Satan himself, the accuser, the slanderer, the false witness, and then it says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. The enemy at work. You can see it in our world all the time. You can see it in our relationships. It isn't when we come in our relationships and they begin to break down. It is not necessarily because just the the individual wants to be awkward. But however the enemy has got in, however the enemy has done his work, he can manipulate those situations and we need to see beyond them. So don't become consumed. That's the lesson with the individual who you can see. But become, if we want, consumed with going to God and using the weapons of his warfare to maintain at all costs that togetherness. Therefore, in the light of the clash of kingdoms, because that is what you've got here, a clash of kingdoms, Put on the whole armour, all that is required to protect yourself and that has been provided by God so that you will be able to comprehend, be strong enough to resist, set oneself against and be set in position to withstand the evil day, the period of time or the issue that you are facing. Put on the belt of truth. I said earlier, there is no problem speaking honestly with someone. But if you genuinely believe that they are in the wrong, you will do one of two things usually. You will force the issue with the individual because you need them to say they are wrong. Or you'll do something opposite, but which is a little bit more passive, but is the same issue. You don't have a go at them, but you keep telling them that you're right. You're not having a go, you're not, having a, you know, you're not getting aggressive, but you're telling them that you are right. We need to be people of integrity, authenticity, trustworthiness, faithfulness, and honesty. We need to be sincere with one another, we need to own things when our relationships come under test. We need to own that the feelings I have are mine. You did not make me have these feelings. These feelings I'm having are mine. 
And I need to check with you. Have I picked you up right? Am I, you know, I need to recognize how the enemy will say, see, they don't like you. See, this is what they think of you. Whispering lies and accusations. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. I was really interested. This word can be interpreted community loyalty. Honesty, doing the right thing, the breastplate of right living. We need to live the right way. We need to live the right way. So how do we live the right way? The gospel of peace, peacemaking. Peacemaking is, a, is something we have to learn if we're going to walk with Jesus. And we're going to be open to be used of him. We use the shield of faith. We have our confidence in God. We put our trust in him to extinguish those arrows which appear to be set against us. The helmet of salvation, deliverance, perseverance, sacrifice for the alliance of friendship. These are all meanings which are attributed to the words that are used there. God wants us to be one in heart, in mind, not clones, but wants us to be one in unity. And most of all, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If we apply the Word of God to our circumstances, we will learn then how to how to maneuver our relationships, recognizing the enemy's approach to destroy, and then standing in that opposite spirit, then I want to say to you, we can stay secure. When you watch those programs on um, packs of animals, the weak animal being pursued by um, a group of stronger animals... What you will see happen is the weak are always put into the centre. Always. And the more mature and the stronger around the outside as a protective wall. I genuinely think that's how we should be. We should be praying all the time for one another. We should be alert to the devil's schemes and craftiness. We should be asking God to keep us together in a oneness of heart and mind and spirit that we might reflect who he is. I do want to make clear, however, that none of what I said excuses personal behavior. So when someone talks to us about something in our lives, we can't turn around and say, oh, well, it wasn't me, it was the enemy. Because you could take that away if you wanted to today. But the truth is, that's not an excuse which is acceptable. We need to recognize and identify the areas where Satan so easily manipulates us. 
And when we do things that will hurt others, we still need to be willing to say sorry and seek forgiveness. And for the person who has been wronged, we should not withhold forgiveness from that person, however hard we might find that. Because when we do, we not only damage ourselves, but we damage the relationship and we damage the body. And so I'm calling us this morning just simply to be aware that the enemy is at work, to be alert, to keep an eye out. And when things seem to go awry, then maybe what we need to do is recognize that, that the enemy is on the prowl. And we need to stand together. Where the weak are in the center and the stronger are around the outside. Relationships are precious and should be guarded. Because if I'm going to contend for unity, I'm going to need to learn to pray for you regularly. And you will need to learn to pray for me and those around you regularly. Asking God to give us revelation, wisdom, discernment and all those things so that we might stand in his strength resisting the devil that he will flee from us. Let's pray together. Father God, you know each of our personal circumstances here today. You know the state of our relationships within the body. You know our marriage relationships, our parental relationships. You know about those relationships that are at work. And I want to ask you to give us wisdom. Your word says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let them ask. And God gives, because he's bountiful. You give, because you're bountiful. So Father, I want to pray that you will open our eyes, not always to what is immediately in front of us but give us the discernment we need to recognize what is going on behind that and Lord when we decide to do business let it be with you rather than the individual not avoiding speaking to people but Lord let us do the work in the spiritual realm first before we choose to address things with one another. Lord, I want to thank you for this group of people. I want to thank you, Father, for their patience, their kindness. I want to thank you, Father, that they're here today because they want to grow more in you. And I just ask, Father, that something out of what I've shared this morning, Lord, will sit and percolate and take root in order that we all might grow closer to you 
and that the enemy will have less and less opportunity to devour and to destroy. Amen. Amen.